Hello, hello, and welcome to Risk and Reward, where the best of the insurance industry come to motivate and educate the future leaders in insurance. I'm Claire Richardson, a senior studying risk management and insurance at the wonderful Butler University, where I'm also the president of the Beta Lambda chapter of Gamma Yota Sigma. Today, I am joined by Michael Costello, the co-founder and principal of Evolve MGA. Evolve has offices across the nation and specializes in cyber insurance and risk management by bringing retail brokers the broadest cyber policy on the market. Michael has years of experience in cyber insurance in the U.S. and abroad, and a long history of vibrant entrepreneurial spirit and passion for insurance. I'm so excited to welcome you on the podcast today, Michael. Thanks for having me, Claire. So we'll jump right into it and kind of understand a little bit more about you and what Evolve does. But would you start with explaining how you got into insurance and what Evolve is? Yeah, I'd love to. So my background is I grew up uh, four generations into the insurance industry, which is relatively rare. My great grandpa, grandpa and dad were all retail insurance brokers. And uh, they all ran a family business called Costello and Sons Insurance. So I was literally born into the insurance industry uh, and quickly sort of realized when I would ask my dad questions about his career that he had kind of a dream job in terms of, you know, common questions like, you know, how much money do you make? His response being, well, as much as I work is how much I can earn because I'm in a commission based model which resonated at an early age to me in terms of ultimate freedom down to, you know, having him coach pretty much every uh, major sport I played as a kid where he could just really be there and have freedom and time to be with us. All those things were really attractive as far as the insurance industry was concerned. And so in the high school years, I started out at the insurance agency during my summers working with account managers and even uh, with the receptionist, just shadowing what they did, learning more about their overall role. Uh, and then by the time I got to college, I made it a goal to be a licensed PNC producer. So I went through all the requirements to get my official license. And then I would do the exact same thing. I'd shadow producers and understood, started to understand how they would actually sell um, insurance to end clients. And that was coupled with doing. Uh, internships all along the way. Uh, so everything from working at Lloyd's of London over a summer down to working at Fireman's Fund, which is big, was a big insurance carrier with thousands of people. I constantly pushed myself to understand more and more about insurance industry, understanding that it was something I wanted to be in one day. So that's a little bit about my background. Any questions? Yes, absolutely. So Evolve has MGA next to it. So the full name is Evolve MGA. So what is a managing general agent and why is it so special and unique to Evolve? Yeah, sure. So maybe it's worth taking a step back in terms of understanding um, what got us to Evolve, which all started with uh, as soon as I graduated from college, I went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. One of the things that I decided my junior year was that I wanted to work at Lloyd's of London based upon my internship having gone extremely well. 
and how fun the insurance environment there. And if you've never been over to Lloyd's of London, it's like an insurance college, if you will. There's about 10,000 people in the insurance industry that all work in a square mile. And they all go to the same restaurants and, and bars. So it's a very social scene. Uh, and then all the deals are done face-to-face um, if you're a, a broker. So when I was out there, I was actually a wholesale broker working with underwriters on a daily basis, negotiating deals. And so what happened in terms of Evolve and how it was launched is when I got out to Lloyd's, my goal was to focus uh, on average about three years outside of the family business in an area that the family business had focused in on to get a different perspective and then ultimately return to the family business and be a producer. And so that all started with uh, going out to Lloyd specializing in technology insurance. So tech errors and admissions, tech ENO is the name of the insurance policy that software and internet companies buy. And that was also the specialty of our dad's insurance agency, Costello and Sons. And so um, during that time period, Tech ENO, which we didn't know at the time, was going to be the birthplace of where cyber insurance actually came from, um, down to the core nature of technology. So uh, one of the big initial cyber coverages that existed was uh, software being hacked, websites being hacked, and software and internet companies needed that insurance in the early 2000s. Well, we then saw the rise of things like the dark web, cryptocurrencies, and we saw a crackdown of regulation around uh, people's information. And uh, that was done on the federal level, the state level, and even private privacy regulatory bodies. So it created this perfect scenario uh, where for the first time ever, and by the time I had left Lloyd's of London, which was about 2016, so 2013, 2012, when I'm out there, it's coming into the mainstream that not just software and internet companies can be hacked, but every type of business collects information and can be hacked. And as a result, uh, carries a serious amount of liability, which was the initial cyber coverage that existed. That's since evolved into there's new types of attacks out there that really go after what we call first party costs. So everything from ransomware to social engineering or funds transfer fraud, it's all the costs that come out of the business's pocket. I say all that as a background because when we got to about 2016, 2015, what was very clear growing up in a retail insurance agency is that uh, there's 32,000 agencies that exist throughout the United States. The vast majority of them had no idea what cyber insurance was. Even to this day, there's insurance agencies that think cyber insurance is tech, you know, insurance. And it was a situation where the best products typically in any emerging insurance, insurance, new type of insurance, tend to come out of Lloyd's of London due to the fact that you can negotiate things face to face. Very different from the big admitted markets in the United States that have you know, thousands of employees, are very careful to move in terms of what they're offering. And when they do, they have to go through licensing in every single state in order to offer their products. And that process can take a while. So they're not updating pro- products very often where Lloyds are updating things instantly. So 
the number one issue that was immediately sort of identified is that there was no product awareness around cyber insurance, but we were seeing hacks happen to businesses and they were experiencing real losses. And so, um, and then you looked at the admitted market and products were pretty weak in terms of what was coming out of Lloyd's. So it was a conversation of what if we could take the best cyber insurance product that exists by the people that helped invent and create that coverage and have a more direct distribution system into retail insurance brokers like our dad's agency, solving the number one issue, which is down to actual education around the product. So they at least know how to understand it and ultimately sell it, followed by providing the best product. Uh, and then to your question on MGA, which will get a very long roundabout answer to get there, is um, a managing general agent at the very basis and foundation has the ability to underwrite in-house. And that ability is something that is usually gifted by another market or reinsurance market. And ultimately, uh, what you're doing as a managing general agent is saving uh, your capacity, the time uh, and energy that's focused uh, in the underwriting process. And so we wanted to focus our company around um, that entire process, understanding that um, underwriting is at the core of the success of the actual product. And ultimately, it's something where we wanted to be on the cutting edge of being able to alter and change coverage at the same time, as well as pricing. And so that's why we set up a managing general agent. And, and then maybe last but not least on that is uh, the product that we ultimately underwrite in-house and uh, resell was not widely accessed throughout the United States. So we needed to enhance the overall distribution on that product so that businesses on a daily basis could get access to really good cyber insurance products. And so there's your, there's your background and answer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Your, your personal background is absolutely amazing to be able to understand the years and years that your um, father and your grandfather have in the industry of insurance, but then also bringing Lloyd's culture and wonderful understanding of the actual product and then moving forward with innovation is great. So that being said, the culture of Lloyd's is super social, like you were mentioning, and I've heard the culture at Evolve is also special. So would you be able to explain why that is the case? Yeah, for sure. So we've taken uh, an approach from day one when we set up our company that, number one, we, we want to work with people that uh, and surround ourselves with people that look and, and feel how we were born and raised with all the same core values. A lot of the values, you know, we went to St. Ignatius uh, High School and then Loyola Marymount. Uh, and my brother and I obviously set up a company together. We we're only a year apart in school. So we had all the same friends and we have a very similar personality. So in the beginning, it was attracting, you know, actually some of our best friends into the company from childhood and from college. And, and then it started to turn into, as we started to get bigger and bigger, understanding that we needed to grow on a national level, that we needed to take risks in hiring people outside of who we trusted. And we've always taken the approach and technique to grow our business where we've gone out and we've, as opposed to working in the business, we've tried to work on the business. 
So Patrick and I, for example, about three and a half years ago, removed ourselves once we had the sales function of the business uh, running and we could actually you know, generate revenue dollars. We removed ourselves from sales positions, even though we are born and raised salespeople, to be able to focus on uh, uh, strategic growth and initiatives that will ultimately help us move quicker as we grow. Uh, and, and one of those things is down to the right culture. And so uh, how do you tackle that uh, big sort of entrepreneurial life goal? It's, it's uh, something where you're not the only person who's gone down that actual road of building a business. And people that have built a business, uh, it's very easy to understand based upon the size of the business, based upon their background, uh, if they've had success or not. And ultimately, those are the people you want to learn from. So we've always tried to strive to have uh, mentors throughout the insurance industry and outside of the insurance industry that can give us different perspective on growing a business. Well, one of those things is personality profiling, which is an element of there's about 15 different steps that we built into our hiring process. But ultimately, what we learned uh, from some of the most successful people out there is that if you hire someone with personality that is specific to the job role, they're going to be actually happy in every function of that job role. And so we built out um, for each job role within our company uh, personality profiles where you answer hundreds of questions of what it would take for the perfect personality to thrive based upon everything that goes into that overall role. And um, then we adopted two separate versions of profiling tests. And then there's a bunch of other tests in the hiring process. But the overall takeaway is that people that get into their role once they're hired have a natural inclination um, or tendencies to enjoy everything about that role because that's how they normally are. Uh, and so that's been a, a big um, sort of function of getting best of breed and people that are just crushing it at their overall positions. And then in addition to that, um, we've set up company retreats, which twice a year we fly everyone out of the company to meet up, uh, understanding that um, we're all spread out on a national level. And so it's our time to uh, actually see each other and have some fun together and also learn um, from everything that we're doing and, and look to the future of what we're doing. So the pandemic's canceled retreats, uh, but everyone's very excited to have them back. We're estimating Q3, end of Q3, early Q4, uh, once this vaccine starts to get rolled out. And so that uh, is the second of three things. The third one is we built a training schedule that is three months and it's specifically designed to take someone who has not uh, been in the insurance industry or even people who have been in the insurance industry to teach them all the fundamentals that we were lucky, lucky enough to learn uh, by working uh, outside of our family business and in our family business and give actual new hires the advantage of having dedicated uh, three months of time where they can focus on learning. And as a result of that, we've ingrained into that entire process a, a work hard, play hard 
mentality and and we've given uh the tools to the people that come through the system um where they can truly succeed and do extremely well within their overall role so everything from the hiring process to the continued retreats to the training uh, that it's put into every evolver, I think makes the culture extremely special. The investment that you guys put into your employees is absolutely amazing. And that light at the end of the tunnel with the retreats, I bet is keeping them going through the rest of the year as well. So with your investment in your employees, or I guess involvers, what do you think makes them great leaders in the industry, great salespeople, and then just what makes them a good leader in general? So as far as uh, the people that work at Evolve, we have a really high standard in terms of the overall um, end product of what we're selling. So for example, uh, on the sales side of the equation, they're held to a series of training where they go through all of the, the sales pitches that we do externally. They're not allowed to actually sell in person until they pass all of that training and that's administered by everyone on the sales team and the actual leadership in the company. On the underwriting side of the equation, everyone's audited uh, and there's a management process that goes hardcore into the numbers in terms of what they're working on and how to improve. That's also replicated on the sales side of the equation. So there's a high standard in terms of the end product that we, we want and we are uh, getting better every year at constantly tracking the overall metrics to make sure that the standards met and then at the same time um, improve over time. So, yeah. One other question that I have is, personally, are you involved in any professional societies, community initiatives? Do you sit on any boards? And how have these opportunities impacted you and your career? Yeah, we do a really fun event every year called Founding Fathers Day, which is on President's Day weekend. We all dress up like founding fathers and mothers of the United States, so presidents and all that fun stuff. And then we actually do a, uh, we raise a bunch of money for the Navy SEAL Foundation, which is a charity uh, that provides immediate financial assistance and uh, lifetime su- support to combat wounded, critically ill and catastrophically injured members of the U.S. Navy SEALs and their families. So our focus is very much into giving back to the uh, soldiers that ultimately gave the biggest sacrifice, which is their actual lives. So that's where we focus, and it's once a year, and we have everyone fly out to Hermosa Beach and have a great event uh, where we do a crawl through the restaurants and bars, and everyone sees us dressed up. Seems to uh, convince more people every year to join the overall event, which raises more money. It's been fun. Stimulating the economy, having fun, and raising money for the community around you is, is a great combo. Do you see any trends in cyber insurance that are coming down the pipeline or have potential to disrupt the industry or the cyber insurance niche itself? Yeah, so we're already going through a disruption in the marketplace right now uh, where we're seeing a hardening market about 10 to 15% across the board. Uh, That's as a result of increased claims activity uh, over really the past 18 months. But when you drill into it, hackers started to really 
focusing on having much more lucrative attacks, uh, especially since coronavirus hit and there was a transition to work from home. There's a new type of attack out there in the ransomware world uh, where the concept of double extortion exists. So ransomware actually gets into the systems of the business and financial documents are located. Uh, those documents are used as leverage to extort the business. And then in addition to that, all the information is extracted and copied to then be resold, threatening for more leverage that if they're not paid, they will resell that information, which comes with a landslide of uh, privacy liability obligations. And so what does that mean? That means that the, in 2018, the average ransom demand was like $5,000. In the past year, it's over $100,000 and keeps trending higher and higher. So it's definitely something where, uh, you know, the attacks are getting more severe, but then they're also increasing too. So when people work from home, they're putting themselves in a work environment that doesn't have the same luxury of security that you get. Uh, oftentimes in the office environment where there could be an IT you know, person in-house um, or someone checking in on all the uh, computer devices. So definitely something where uh, the market will continue to harden uh, and uh, you know, hopefully we can see these claims start to go down. Cybersecurity is getting better and better. For example, we just uh, launched a ransomware defense uh, risk management provider. So there's a battle that's going on all the time, back and forth of improving the security of the insured, but at the same time, hackers are trying to uh, increase their efforts. And then ultimately, um, as far as like new players in the market, cyber insurance is still very much an immature market. We saw a ton of new emerging markets really over the last five years. As in 29 or 2020, it started to slow down a little bit. And this year, I've seen it slow even further. So I would say, um, there, you know, there's about 100 uh, real markets that exist in the cyber insurance space, of which 2020 was a defining year in terms of about 10 of those markets uh, we see offer, you know, strong coverage that matches some of the times what we do because uh, we were on the forefront of inventing a lot of this coverage through our Lloyd's capacity. And then as far as pricing is concerned, we're seeing them start to uh, experience the claims as well. So looking into the future, it's something where I would expect less, less markets to emerge in the space. Um, I, would, I would think that the top 10 markets uh, based upon claims activity happening, either you have a good experience or a bad experience in a claim. And if you have a bad experience, typically the broker starts to move away from that market. So the ones that um, are having serious amounts of claims where it's not going well, you'll, you could see a negative backlash of those markets being used. Um, you could see their books begin to implode if they're not underwriting correctly. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, if they're doing well in the underwriting space in terms of pricing everything in the claim space in terms of handling the claims extremely well, I think you're going to see brokers are going to start to double down in those markets. And so that's where we've, we've focused in terms of um, our efforts with our broker base of making sure that there's a seamless claims process, start to finish uh, with no downtime, because in these claims, time is money. And at the same time, we've tried to increase our coverage and make sure it is the product that exists out there with a focus into retail insurance brokers 
and solving their number one issues uh, with ultimately being able to communicate and understand this coverage to then talk about it with their clients to get them uh, fully covered. The stat that still exists right now is 15% of businesses purchase coverage globally, 85% still do not purchase coverage. There's much higher stats in the United States uh, with a rough estimate of about 40% of businesses currently purchasing coverage. Uh, but we need that number to be, you know, in the 80 to 90%. And that comes down to, at the end of the day, how it's distributed and helping our broker base understand easy techniques to explain coverage. Because we all know the cyber exposure exists and we read about it in the news on a daily basis. So with this wonderful, immature industry of, of cyber insurance, really, the opportunities are endless. So do you have any advice for the young entrepreneurs that are listening in today or people who are interested in going into the cyberspace or just insurance generally? Yeah, I think uh, to your question earlier on like leadership in terms of that from an entrepreneurship lens, it's never having the, the fear of failure. And when you do fail, it's as a result typically of trying something new. And so you're going to fail consistently. The true leaders are the ones that understand the lesson that comes out of the failure and learns from it and typically systematically implements change that um, corrects the overall mistake. You know, one of my favorite quotes that I had next to my bed growing up was a Michael Jordan quote where he just goes into, you know, I missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost over 300 games and I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed 26 times. I failed over and over again. And that is why I succeed. So definitely something that I've always lived live by is just consistent, constant change. And when you apply that to evolve and what we're doing is, is constantly looking, you know, to the future of, of what can be the red flags that are out there. What are we doing compared to our competition? How do we improve? That's followed by communication throughout the entire company. And then ultimately action to execute on the overall goals. Understanding that there should be some humility built in there in terms of once you do fail, how do you learn from it and move on? Uh, learning from people in the industry. I've always had mentors that I consult with on a monthly basis to learn from. And typically I'll have anywhere from three to five that I'm constantly asking questions to and trying to help them as well in that process. So you should be proactively going above and beyond to learn whatever you can from the most successful leaders that are out there. And the benefit that we have with technology is that it's everywhere. So, I mean, I personally have focused my efforts into where I learn the best, which is typically audio and visual. So masterclass has been great. It's like a hundred and something a year where you can learn from people like uh, Bob Iger, and Disney, and Howard Schultz of Starbucks, and take, you know, I've taken lessons from uh, their classes and actually apply them directly into Evolve. Uh, one of my favorite apps that came out not too long ago is one called Blinkist, where it um, gives you every book that you could read in 10 minutes or less. So it gives you all of the core uh, things that you could learn. And so I've ripped through, at this point, hundreds of Blinkist versions of books, trying to just scrape as much information as I possibly can. Uh, as far as um, your individual self, when um, you're looking to be 
future leader uh, within the insurance space. It's understanding your personality strengths and weaknesses and objectively calling them out when you do have a character flaw and building a system around that actual weakness. And the more objectively you can do that, 